0: Hi there, welcome back to the Chistapagaboneta show, and we are, we are digging through Midas Touch, anything recently. A Texas Paul reacts to Greg Abbott's despicable new stunt.
1: Hi everyone, Wasting Mark billions. Barton here at Sandy Hook Promise.
0: Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of and Stone two stones. And also, KPYT, the Koyuki Tribal Radio, on the rest of the Tristan Paul,
2: yeah. We have to talk about this Operation Lone Star down here in Texas. This has been $4 billion that Abbott has spent, and it's for nothing but his re-election campaign. He has taken and activated the National Guard, which is st- standing out in the desert with their thumb up their butt. Okay. They are not arresting anybody. Okay. Then he's taken law enforcement assets out of other counties and moved them to the border to pretend like he's doing something. And then they turned around and they published all this stuff. Oh, look at what we're doing. We, we stopped all this from coming in the country. Oh, look at all these people that got arrested down at the border. This, that and the other. Okay. We need to talk some facts facts about the failure
3: that operation lone star is okay first the border
2: not open. One of the biggest complaints we Democrats have about Biden is that he never repealed the Trump era Title 42 laws that that were so draconian about COVID about just immediately shipping people back, not giving them their day in court, just to ship yeah. them back. They're still doing that. The border is not by any means open unless you believe it was open during the Trump administration. The only thing the Biden administration did is quit being cruel to families and cruel to children. They've been busting their ass to make sure that children stay with their families. They've been busting their ass to make sure that if just children come over, that we find the families here and we reunite them with their families. That's been the only difference. They were
0: trafficked under the the Trump regime.
3: And...
2: Arrests that, that Abbott's claiming are part of his Operation Lone Star are coming out of the federal government. Those are Biden's arrests. Those are Customs and Border Patrol agents, federal agents that are making those arrests. Local agents have made almost no arrests. I mean, and they've been fighting, Abbott's been fighting this information coming out. You know, you've got journalists that have been inquiring, give us the data, give us the statistics. They've been fighting it left and right. They've been claiming everything under the sun, but they won't turn over the raw data so that people could look at it. Well, now it's coming out, and we're finding out. Those big fentanyl arrests are bullshit, are bullshit. They're happening at the border crossings, which means A... The border's not open because they're making fentanyl arrests at the border. And who runs the border? Not the state of Texas, the federal government. So those are Biden's fentanyl arrests, not Abbott's. Those are Biden's fentanyl arrests. And to top it off, we found out that 85% of those fentanyl arrests weren't even from Mexicans. They were from Americans who went down, bought fentanyl, and were sneaking it across the border. Eighty-five percent were Americans. Folks, this Lone Star of bullshit has been over $4 billion. $4 billion the state has spent for nothing so that they can claim credit for what the federal government's doing. It's an utter failure. Lone Star is an utter failure.
3: And it's now $4 billion going on $5 billion.
2: that's nothing but part of Abbott's re-election campaign. You know, we need to be screaming this from the rooftops. This is a total abuse of funding because, folks, let me talk to my Texas people for a minute. We have a balanced budget amendment. We, we have to balance our budget every year. That $4 billion is coming out of your pocket. It's coming out of your schools, it's coming out of your agricultural programs, it's coming out of your already destroyed roads. They can't just crap this money, they've got to take it from other places. And I'm, I'm telling you, this is bullshit. This is nothing but trying to get Abbott reelected and they're A, they're lying, B,
0: they're stealing.
2: This is all credit to Biden and the Democrats. It's the Customs and Border Patrol agents that are making these arrests. They keep. They're literally wasting the money. And on top of it, these national guard. They keep removing my
0: comments.
2: This is not their number one job. This was their weekend, one week in a month. You know, one week. You know how the National Guard works. We took these people out of their lives, for nothing,
4: for nothing,
2: just to get Abbott reelected so he can act like
3: a fucking tough guy when he's a wimp.
2: He's a lying wimp. I love you folks, but man, we have to get all over this. We have to get, this cannot continue to go on. You have to elect
4: Beto O'Rourke. He will not waste your money. He will make sure your money goes to help people in
2: Texas. Not this bullshit. He will not take
4: law enforcement. <laughs>
2: Nothing. Make sure you check your registration. The deadlines are coming up. I say that over and over again. Let me say it in a different way. Check your fucking registration. They fucked me over before. I had to correct mine two elections ago. They had an address that I lived at like 10 years prior. They just willy nilly changed my address. Check your fucking registration. You got... It's October 11th here in Texas. That's just a couple weeks away, folks. A little over two
3: weeks away. The election's coming up in just a little over a month. illegally removing voters from the registration lists. Folks, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Vote
1: Democrat from the top of the ticket all the way to the bottom. I love you, folks. So, text fall out. Midas Touch is unapologetically pro democracy. And look, we know you are too. So, please make sure you check out our best selling shirt and our best selling gear. The unapologetically oh, pro democracy.
4: I'm
0: hungry. Do be celebrate dead veterans.
4: No, um,
0: I need to go to legal AF. ago? Shit. One hour. Three days ago. What? Uh, how
4: come?
0: Streamed three days ago? How come was something streamed? It's like, they need to stream more often.
1: if i've heard this before there are other stages like you could challenge um you could file suppression motions in the criminal case you could claim that certain things can't come in but this is all pre-indictment stuff and this is criminal law 101 the rudy giuliani thing Talk about people who you would think would know criminal law 101, considering that he was the United States Attorney uh, uh, for, for the Southern District of New York, which always just shocks me. Knowing what a criminal he was, that that individual had so much power over the legal system, and knowing that it was likely a deranged person his entire, you know, his entire life. And- no, I don't think so. I, I got to tell you, I'll stop you on that one. I don't think so. I was I was in New York as a young lawyer when he was here. I know people that worked. For- him directly like his right oh, hand he, he married his cousin well hold on yeah. putting aside <laughs> you say that you say that like it's a bad thing and i don't say uh, like it's, it's a th- bad th- thing i'm just saying there the was royal families were doing it for years there, there, there right. were some red flags early on <laughs> all, right, all right maybe but i will tell you people that worked i won't reveal their names who were his right hand who when i raised this issue with them like what happened to Rudy. You work for the man. Um, And they just look down at their shoes and they're embarrassed. They think something mentally has happened to him because he was not like that when he was running that office. It doesn't matter what he was like. It matters what he's doing right now, which is where you're trying to go with this segment. So let me shut up and let you know. So Rudy Giuliani owed his ex-wife who he was married for more than 15 years. Close to $250,000. She sued him. They they entered into a settlement in 2019 where based on the settlement, this was money that he owed her. Um, And there were a payment schedule. He missed the payment schedule. Um, she showed up in court. She had a file like a lawsuit in August second. He paid her back forty five K of it. So it was about two hundred and fifteen thousand more dollars that were owed. She shows up in court last week. Rudy Giuliani's a no show. The court finds Rudy Giuliani in contempt. Um, orders him uh-huh. to make the payment forthwith. It's a default judgment against Rudy Giuliani and
5: finds uh-huh. that if you don't pay her immediately, we're, we're he said, the judge said,
1: reluctantly, I'm gonna have no other choice but to send you to prison
4: if you don't <laughs> pay her.
1: And I think that's where it is headed. But you know, here's someone who didn't even show up to the courthouse on a default judgment to make any arguments and he's been going on tv shows and claiming that she's a liar and this and that but then in the courtroom he doesn't even show up and so a big l for him but again like (laughs) not even going kind of speaks to like a pro se litigant who just doesn't know what they're doing or, you know, or, or, is just trying to give the F you to the court. Um, but you know, so be it. That's, that's... well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a couple of things. One, it's not as a total I mean, shock just to I anyway. a year ago that he failed to participate in the process related to his law license in New York being pulled from him. Um, he didn't file anything with the first department, which is the, uh, court. The court division that um, regulates lawyers who are admitted to that, like I am, and the way Rudy is, he didn't even bother participating. He just let his law license, something I'm sure he was proud of and worked very hard for, just go out the window like it was, you know, not of a concern to him. He's just completely um, lost it when it comes to proper decorum and ethics and professionalism. Judge Katz, who's the judge in the family law case that you just talked about. I know Judge Katz. I've appeared in front of him before. He is a no-nonsense, very respected judge who, who operates in the you know, this kind of divorce court world in New York, which can be very high-end because there's a lot of rich people here, a lot of celebrity people here. So he's used to having all different types of people, you know, different walks of life in front of him. But he does not brook um, fools well. And if you don't do what he what he has ordered you to do um at the time that he's ordered you to do it he has no problem throwing the book at you i had a a zoom hearing with him on behalf of a client where the other side you know sort of didn't color within the lines if you know what i mean and he was not happy about it and had no problem telling them to get that fixed ASAP, where there's going to be major repercussions. If he's reached this point with Rudy, it's because there's been a series of orders that um, that Rudy has missed, um, and leaving the judge with no choice uh, but to do this. But this is just yet another example of his contemptuous uh, Rudy's contemptuous behavior towards the the judicial system that he where he once plied his trade. It, It is if it wasn't negatively impacting America. And democracy as much as it is it would be a very sad fall from grace that we would be commenting on but because he's a total you know what and supports donald trump in the courthouse and is you know i I can't have any empathy or sympathy for him and this was not his cousin. This was Judith Giuliani, not the cousin. Right. He doesn't always marry his cousin. Ben. He doesn't always marry. This is Judith Giuliani. <laughs> and then let's just chat about Trump's lawyers. They were spotted leaving the D.C. federal courthouse where the grand jury uh, meets. We know that there's a number of grand juries investigating Donald Trump for conduct relating to the January 6th insurrection. And what we've learned is that the reason that Trump's lawyers were there um, was because... They They are interposing a lot of objections and saying that certain witnesses, for example, Eric Hirschman, the outspoken in-house White House lawyer who's spoken out against the clown show lawyers, as he likes to refer to them as on the January 6th hearings, but like uh, asserting executive privilege, attorney-client privilege, and trying to prevent... Uh, people in the White House from offering testimony. Now, we've talked a lot about privileged claims here on the Midas Touch uh, podcast and on Legal AF, and so these privileged claims are ways to say that there are certain communications that simply uh, are not allowed to not only not go into the courtroom during a litigation, but can't even get discovered. And there are sometimes reasons why you have, you know, these privileges. For example, attorney-client privilege, the advice that attorneys and clients give each other um, are confidential and if you can't tell your attorney things, um, then it could chill the very essence of you having constitutional rights to lawyers or to or to even get a lawyer in the first place to represent your interests. But all privileges usually have some exceptions, and uh, certain privileges have more exceptions than others. But like with the attorney-client privilege, you can't engage in criminal conduct with the attorney. And even if the attorney doesn't know that there's criminal conduct but is being used as a proper criminal conduct, but the attorney can't be your proxy to further have crimes however that goes about and that's remember the case out in the central district of california where a federal judge judge david carter found that there was that exception the crime fraud exception to
4: john eastman who said that he was trump's lawyer uh tried to make an attorney-client privilege objection and uh,
1: judge carter said no that wasn't an attorney-client relationship that was a coup in search of a legal theory and i find more likely than not that you both. Were co-conspirators engaged in criminal conduct on January 6th. So surely, with respect to attorney-client privilege uh, claims, the Department of Justice is going to be citing Judge Carter and making the crime crime fraud exception argument. Another basis of waiver of attorney-client privilege is if you speak about it outside of the attorney-client relationship. If you tell third parties, if you publish it in books, if you give interviews about it, if you talk about it at rallies, that waives the confidential relationship. If you're talking about About it uh, publicly. And then, with respect to the executive privilege claims, as you know now by watching these episodes of Legal AF over and over again, executive privilege claims, the ability to assert that is with the current executive, not the past. Uh, executive and there have the only real exception to that though is an inter-branch disputes where like there's a dispute between a former president and congress but even there it could be overcome by an extraordinary need for it but here you have the executive branch the department of justice seeking its own executive branch information and so that's undoubtedly what the department of justice is raising there that, that these Nixon versus GSA and Nixon line of cases that hold that executive privilege is not with the former president. Um, So, But we're at a point, though, where there's likely motion practice that has already taken place or will be taking place with the Department of Justice seeking to compel testimony. We don't know any of this that's going on because there is something called grand jury secrecy, and because of the grand jury secrecy, all of all of the filings and all of the things taking place in those proceedings are going on what's called under seal and confidential. Now, the, the Mar-a-Lago case, you're, why is that public? Well, Trump made it public. He filed the lawsuit for the special master. Otherwise, those grand jury proceedings and those filings likely would have all been under seal as well, and they would have been confidential, except for Trump making it a public issue. He has not made these January 6th a
5: law one of- Pollock!
0: Hey, fuckers!
1: Hey! you can claim that ah, things can't be said. But this is all pre-indictment on, stuff, square. and this is Criminal Law 101. The Rudy the Giuliani thing. Talk about people who you would think would know Criminal Law 101, considering that he was the United States Attorney uh, uh, for, for the Southern District of New York, which always just shocks me, knowing what a criminal he was, that that individual had so much power over the legal system, knowing that it was likely a deranged person his enti- you know, his entire life. No, I don't think so. I, I got to tell you, I'll stop you on that one. I don't think so. I was I was in New York as a young lawyer when he was here. I know people that worked for him directly, like his right oh hand. He, he married his cousin. Well, well hold on. But putting aside, <laughs> you say that you say that like it's a bad thing.
3: I don't uh, say like I, it's a bad thing. I'm just saying there the was royal family has been
1: doing it for years. There were <laughs> some red flags early on. All right, maybe. All right, but, maybe. But I will tell you, people that worked—I won't reveal their names—were his right hand who, when I raised this issue with them, like, what happened to Rudy? You work for the man. Um, and they just looked down at their shoes, and they're embarrassed. There's, they think something mentally has happened to him because he was not like that when he was running that office. doesn't matter what he was like. It matters what he's doing right now, which is where you're trying to go with this segment. So let me shut yeah. up a minute. So Rudy Giuliani owed his ex-wife, who he was married for more than 15 years close to $250,000. Um, she sued him. They, made, they entered into a settlement in 2019 where based on the settlement this was money that he owed her. Um, and there were a payment schedule. He missed the payment schedule. Um, she showed up in court. She had a file like a lawsuit. Because he didn't get paid 2nd. by Trump. He paid uh. her back $45,000 of it. So it was about $215,000 more dollars that were owed. She shows up in court last week. Rudy Giuliani's a no-show. The court finds Rudy Rudy Giuliani, in contempt, Uh um, orders him to make the payment forthwith. It's a default judgment against Rudy Giuliani and finds that if you don't pay her immediately, we're he he said, the judge said, reluctantly, I'm going to have no other choice but to send you to prison if you don't pay her. And I think that's where it is headed. But, you know, here's someone who he didn't even show up to the courthouse on a default (laughs) judgment to make any arguments. And he's been going on TV shows and claiming that she's a liar and this and that, but then in the courtroom, he doesn't even show up. And so a big L for him, but again, like not even going kind of speaks to like a pro se litigant who just doesn't know what they're doing or you know or or is just trying to get i think, the FU I knew
0: I think he book. knew he um, you but, know he wasn't you know, gonna win so, be it.
1: so that's, that's
0: probably over well luck. i'll tell
1: you i'll tell you a couple of things one it's not Too a simple, total shock because you and i reported a year ago that he failed to participate in the process related to his law license in New York being pulled from him um, he didn't file anything with yeah, the first well, department which is the uh, court the court division well, Regulates lawyers who are admitted in Manhattan, like I am, and the way Rudy is. He didn't even bother participating. He just let his law license, something I'm sure he was proud of and worked very hard for, just go out the window like it was, you know, not of concern to him. He's just completely um, lost it when it comes to proper decorum and ethics and professionalism. Judge Katz, who's the judge in the family law case that you just talked about, I know Judge Katz, I've appeared in front of him before. He is a no-nonsense, very respected judge who who operates in the, you know, this kind of divorce court world in New York, which can be very high-end because there's a lot of rich people here, a lot of celebrity people here, so he's used to having all different types of people, different walks of life in front of him, but he does not brook um, fools well, and if you don't do what he what he has ordered you to do. Um at the time that he's ordered you to do it, he has no problem throwing the book at you. I had a, a Zoom hearing with him on I mean, behalf of a client where the other side, you know, sort of didn't color within the lines, if you know what I mean. And he was not happy about it and had no problem telling them to get that fixed ASAP or there's going to be major repercussions. If he's reached this point with Rudy. It's because there's been a series of orders that um, that Rudy has missed. Um, And leaving the judge with no choice uh, but to do this, but this is just yet another example of his contemptuous uh, Rudy's contemptuous behavior towards the the judicial system that he where he once plied his trade. It it is if it wasn't negatively impacting America and democracy as much as it is, it would be a very sad fall from grace that we would be commenting on. Because he's a total you know what and supports Donald Trump in the courthouse, and is, you know, I, I can't have any empathy or sympathy for him. And this was not his cousin. This was Judith Giuliani, not the cousin. Right. He, he doesn't always marry his cousin, Pat. He, he doesn't know. always marry. This is Judith Giuliani.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Two days ago, I actually already podcasted on this.
1: about trump's lawyers they were spotted leaving the dc federal courthouse where the grand jury uh, meets we know that there's a number of grand juries investigating donald trump for conduct relating to the january 6th insurrection and what we've learned is that the reason that trump's lawyers were there um, was because they are interposing a lot of objections Saying that certain witnesses, for example, Eric Hirschman, the outspoken in house White House lawyer who's spoken out against the clown show lawyers, as he likes to refer to them as, on the January 6th hearings, but like uh, asserting executive privilege, attorney client privilege, and trying to prevent uh, people in the White House from offering testimony. Now, we've talked a lot about privilege claims here on the Midas Touch uh, podcast and on Legal AF. And so these privilege claims are ways to say that there are certain communications that simply uh, are not allowed to not only not go into the courtroom doing a litigation, but can't even get discovered. And there are sometimes reasons why you have You know, these privileges, for example, attorney-client privilege, the advice that attorneys and clients give each other um, are confidential. And if you can't tell your attorney things, um, then it could chill the very essence of you having constitutional rights to lawyers or to to even get a lawyer in the first place to represent your interests. But all privileges usually have some exceptions and uh, certain privileges have... 41
0: minutes to go. Every single day if Trump to misses weight, his mama. last, uh, deadline.
6: Get shredded. It's not keto, not... I things couldn't get any worse for old Donnie. They very much did. And this time he's in massive trouble because he and his entire legal team just missed a massive deadline in court. And it's entirely their fault that Trump and his team just plain missed a critical crucial deadline and it's left everyone scrambling and by god the judge is very angry at donald trump that they have to deal with this and it's also connected to another deadline that's just been pushed up in a way that trump and his team are not prepared for and that ratchets up the trouble as well listen to this and then we're gonna get to a truly crazy explanation of what's happening here because guys it shows yet again Again, Trump and his team not doing the work on time in court and putting everyone at jeopardy of humiliation, if not jail time. Uh,
7: In (laughs) in defending uh, this documents case, but uh, Harry, Harry, have the Trump lawyers achieved a classic Donald Trump delay here uh, by pushing things back a week or more because of this delay in getting a vendor?
8: Well, a week or more in the overall scheme of things is not very long. As Andrew says, it's quite easy. And Deirdre comes in and says, fine, we'll get the vendor and we will have this in a week. I don't know if Trump, he would be well advised to wave the white flag here. I don't know if he's really doing it, but Deary has turned into, judge, put up or shut up to him. So it's not, It's, it's the things that Andrew said. But in addition, he now has to itemized tell us which classified documents excuse me which of the documents you think are covered by executive privilege number one two three and why and the department says that's fine with us although of course none of them should really matter and we already know tell us if you think that the fbi actually took anything tell us if you think there is something Uh, in the whole corpus of so material, other than what was seized there. So everything he's saying in the public sphere, Deary is turning into his worst nightmare of actually uh-huh. having to attest in
0: court. And he has to pay so for it's no too. surprise
8: uh-huh. that he's not um, acting with alacrity. Also, I think it's no surprise that he sort of demoted uh, Deary, kind of uh, you know James Bond villain style or more sort of Austin Powers style. He, this is a guy he hasn't produced for him. And he turns out though to be the smartest lawyer that Trump uh, retained because he got his three million dollars guaranteed uh, up front. So that's one <laughs> thing to be to be said for him. But smart lawyers and Donald Trump, usually part company. Uh, Andrew Reichman, so what might look
7: like a delay uh, to the audience where Donald Trump has, his lawyers have more time to respond about the documents that were seized, uh, also, includes an astonishing speeding up of some issues for Donald Trump's side of the case. For example, uh, were Did the FBI plant documents? The the Trump defense could have held that question all the way to trial and never raised it until an FBI agent got on the witness stand and started testifying for the prosecution about the search. And at that point, uh, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that uh, defense lawyers start doing a pretty rough cross-examination about you know, was this planet, was that planet? And of course, they get the answer no, but they get the question in front of the jury. Was that planet? That's the whole strategy. And so so Donald Trump's being asked to answer that question right now, and if now he says no, nothing was planted, then that precludes him from playing with this as a defense tool in in a trial with uh, Judge Gary tonight and his special master uh, handling of this case. It was an interesting sequence of revelations about what happened with trying to obtain a vendor uh, to digitize these records. Now, in in your experience with uh, vendors like this coming into criminal cases like this, uh, what is your reaction to what we learned about this tonight? So, as you said, getting a vendor is
9: usually a a non-issue. I think there's something we can take away from this, what seems like a sort of small potatoes kind of thing. I think what Donald Trump
4: is doing is quiet quitting. He brought this case he realized
9: he is worse off from having brought this case. And that's because he's an 11th Circuit decision now saying uh, that Judge Cannon was totally wrong and that these classified documents are highly sensitive and it is a crime to possess them and he has no right to them. So he's already worse off because two judges he appointed have said this and Uh a third judge to boot. Now he's in front of a really good special master who is requiring him to set up certain things, including, as you said, requiring him to say, are you saying, and you need to say it in an affidavit, that any of these documents are stolen or any of these documents are planted we need to know specifically what you are saying. And he clearly, from the letter the government uh, submitted, is just not participating in the process. And the government says that in their last paragraph. They say, he's the plaintiff. The plaintiff is usually the one who brings the lawsuit because they want relief. And he obviously doesn't have the temerity, you know, to actually just say, you know what, I'm actually just going to dismiss the case. So I think he is just refusing to participate, which is why you see the ...government having to obtain the vendor when it was obviously his obligation to do it.
6: Thank I just know. can't believe the banks what never told me vendor. about the Financial Forgiveness Act.
9: This is a last
2: call message for anyone who hasn't received their forgiveness. Thanks to the financial pardon policy,
9: Americans can eliminate credit card payments and other obligations. To the pay- After my car accident last year,
0: Does that up a- to my neck and How about to student this- loans?
9: do it. So this is really his raising a white flag uh, but trying not to say
6: it so you can hear there on the one hand You have a deadline that they thought they could maybe leave until the time that they had a trial Which was the whole trying to prove Trump's claims around you know, Declassification and or planting of evidence trying to prove all of that stuff in a court of law if he was charged But Darius has
4: gotten his way
6: and we have a deadline to prove that ASAP and that's been moved up even in relation to where it was a week or two ago. So now Trump has to put up or shut up even before he's charged with a crime, which is a difficult position to be in. But I think it's perfectly reasonable given that he's already started making those claims via himself and his lawyers in the court of public opinion already poisoning the well of the discourse and of the discovery process. But that second part is critical. Donald Trump made a promise. He made a promise to secure a vendor to help facilitate this process and he failed on that and that's left the DOJ to pick up the pieces and no one's happy that Donald Trump and his lawyers incompetence, failing to show up in court with this work completed on time has put everyone in a real pickle. But if we're being honest, it's also kind of hilarious because it shows how absolutely out of step Donald Trump is with the rest of the legal world. And it says, breaking, DOJ has asked Deary for another day to secure a third-party vendor to create a portal to share info with Donald because no vendor would agree to work with Donald. DOJ says they expect Donald Trump to pay for the vendor, lol. And I don't need to read you the whole letter. That's the big complicated spiel. But Donald Trump failed in court again because he can't get anybody to do this. There's like five (laughs) big legal vendors that handle these processes and none of them, like nationwide, none of these major firms are willing to work with Donald Trump. <laughs> They're not willing to make a business deal with him so the DOJ has to do it themselves and then bill Donald for the trouble. But make no mistake, all of this makes him look bad and puts him behind the eight ball because it's his fault this court deadline was missed. It's his fault his lawyer failed to show up in court so it's with fault the nobody work being done. And it's his fault that all of these other deadlines are being moved up. He's in trouble, DOJ's angry, judge is frustrated, a bad combo. <laughs> nice.
0: Nice.
4: Fucking <sighs> great news. Nice.
0: Okay. Here. <laughs> Looks like they're going to delete this comment too. If I can't, I go back and try to to edit it, and I uh, can't do it, and they probably already deleted. it. Ah. Uh, watch the readout highlights September twenty seven. Red center center eight months ago. <laughs> one month ago Biden's cheaper stuff goes in on one month ago, button's cheaper stuff goes in on the cross
6: that make you feel exposed. Yes, get rid of that and try me.
5: White House Chief of Staff, Ron Klain, thanks so much for coming back on. Thanks for having me. So a ton has happened in the last couple weeks, so let's jump in. Uh, on the Inflation Reduction Act, you've got a bill that reduces the deficit, lowers inflation, shores up U.S. energy, lowers prescription drug costs for seniors, all things that Republicans ostensibly support or, or have claimed to support in the past, and yet they've all refused to support this bill. What's your message to those Republicans who are basically broadcasting right now that trying to hurt Joe Biden is more important than helping Americans? Well, Brian, I think it's even more than that. Look, I think that what we've seen over the past few weeks in
1: Washington is a very clear choice between one political party that's willing to stand up to the special interests, that's willing to take on special interests who've had their way in Washington for decades, whether that's passing gun safety legislation, taking on the NRA, or this Inflation Reduction Act, where we took on the big drug companies that have been able for decades to block legislation to allow Medicare to negotiate for prescription drugs, a common sense idea, they've been able to block it. The big corporations who have blocked the
3: idea of even a minimum tax for big corporations, profitable
1: Corporations. Some of them, some of the biggest corporations in America pay no taxes at all. How can that be? It's because the big corporate lobby has lobbied the Congress and able to prevent that from being changed. You uh, saw the President's taking on the oil companies about the price of gas coming down. The point here is, the President and his allies in Congress have made it very clear they're willing to stand, stand up to and beat these special interests and pass laws, and the Republicans simply aren't. They weren't willing to take on the drug companies and bring down the prescription drugs. They weren't willing to take on the big corporations and say, hey, you have to pay some taxes. Uh, They weren't willing to, to take on the other special interests involved in trying to defeat this Uh, Inflation Reduction Act. And so I think that's the difference you're seeing, Brian. You're seeing one party that says, you know what, enough's enough. It's time for the American people to get their way in Washington. Uh, They fought for that. They fought hard. I don't think people should underestimate how hard it was to overcome the power of these lobbies, the power of these interests in Washington. That's what the Democrats did in passing this bill. And that's why I think it's such a game
5: changer uh, going forward. I think it's important to note too to watch what these people do. Don't listen to what they say. Um, you know, one specific aspect of the Inflation Reduction Act is its climate provisions. Yes. Climate is my biggest issue. As someone who's still, you know, young, kind of young, pretends to be young. I've, I've got a TikTok, so maybe that makes me young. Uh, maybe it makes me old that I'm. Acknowledging that I have a TikTok, um, in any case, you know that's that's the part of the bill that I was most proud of. Obviously, um, the White House didn't get everything that it wanted on climate, and previous iterations of reconciliation did allocate more funding. But can you speak about how this bill will hit the White House's targets on climate? Yeah, Brian, I do think uh, that's probably the most historic part of this bill, and the one perhaps with the most
1: long-run significance. Uh, you know, the president ran for president on the idea that we were going to transition to a clean energy future, and that we were going to tackle this existential challenge of climate change.
4: Uh, he said uh, last year a goal that we would reduce our emissions by 50% in the years ahead. Uh, this
1: bill uh, gets us almost all the way there. It doesn't get us all the way there, we have to be honest about that. But it will produce a 40% emissions reduction. Now, that would be just an enormous change in the right direction. I think uh, some of the leaders on fighting for climate action in Congress have said that not only is this the most significant uh, climate uh, change fighting legislation uh, ever passed in this country, it's actually the most significant one ever passed in the world. It would make the largest investment anywhere in a transition to a clean energy economy. And it does it in a way that I think creates a lasting support that by creating jobs, by, by saying what we're, we're going to fight climate change is by putting Americans to work, building solar panels and windmills, new electric vehicles, batteries for those new electric vehicles, and the whole array of things, energy efficient appliances. I can go on and on and on. The point here is that this is a clean energy future that's not about punishing people or hurting people but it's about creating opportunity in america jobs in america transitioning to that future uh, making us a richer country making us a stronger country and of course reducing our emissions by 40 percent and i think that that is that is historic Um, I think that is something that people will look back on for years and years and years important to this moment as a really
5: critical turning point uh, in the struggle against climate change. Yeah, that's well said. And aside from the Inflation Reduction Act, we also are coming off of the last couple of weeks with a massive jobs report, 50-year low unemployment rate. Um, the CHIPS Act, the PACT Act, the leader of Al-Qaeda killed. It's been you know, a long slog, but any president would be hard-pressed to, to have had a week um, this good. But at the yeah. same time, there's still work to do on Biden's poll numbers. So what's the strategy to bridge that divide and capitalize on what is objectively the best couple weeks you could have in politics so that Biden's favorability more closely resembles the popularity of the agenda that's being passed right now? As you say, it has been a great couple of weeks here. 50-year uh, old low on unemployment. Just to be clear on that, and uh, record
1: job creation. As uh, you said, uh, successful mission against uh, Zawahiri, and, uh, and 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 uh, and not just this amazing inflation bill, which also fights climate change, but the Chips Act, which is also going to help fight inflation by bringing down the price of things made with semiconductors,
4: uh, and the Burn pits legislation,
1: so critical to our veterans. It's it's been a, it's been a fantastic uh, stretch here. Uh, look, I think.
4: Uh, we do, we pass legislation not to make the president's polls better, but to make the country
1: better, to make the world better. And and that's what we've done. Uh, I think what voters want to see is uh, that we continue to make progress on these things. One other thing that's happened in the past few weeks is the price of gasoline has come down at the pump, uh, down almost a dollar since the start of the summer, uh, down below three ninety nine on the national average. And Below 379, most pumps in America, and I think that's also going to make people feel better about the economy. Gas is something—it's kind of a bellwether for how people feel about uh, the economy. Uh, But fundamentally, Brian, if we're talking about elections and poll numbers and whatnot, uh, again, I want to be careful here because I'm covered by the Hatch Act. I'm in the White House. But what I will say is, what we've seen over the past couple weeks, elections are a choice, and both Democrats and Republicans have made the choice they're offering to voters incredibly clear. Democrats have said, hey, we're going to take on the special interests on behalf of families. We're going to take on the special interests. We're going to take on the oil industry, the big corporations, the gun lobby, and try to bring down costs and make the country safer. Republicans have said, no, we're not going to do that. In fact, Republicans over uh, the past weekend when they voted on this bill, voted against a $35 a month cap on insulin uh, to stand with the drug companies not with uh, the millions of families that need insulin to treat children or a loved one or someone in their family so that difference that choice who the democrats are standing for and delivering results for who the republicans are standing with i think that's the fundamental choice uh we're going to see uh democrats on the hill call it people not politics uh you can put whatever label you want on it whatever slogan you want on it i think uh, we've had an epic demonstration of the choice both sides offer and i think that that difference, that difference is the difference uh, that the American people are going to see more and more clearly
5: uh, over the weeks ahead. That's actually a perfect segue into this next question, and that has to do with Kansas, which, you know, for all intents and purposes is a red state. Voters came out in pretty staggering numbers to make their voices heard. Thank
0: you, ladies, for rights. signing up the vote. And yet,
5: still, Republicans across like, the country are going all in on abortion bans. Huge
0: rebel. rise in, in uh, voter registration in Kansas.
5: If Kansas Good job. has told us anything, it's that this issue has potency, not just with Democrats. So what's your message to those folks who aren't Democrats, who may never have voted for a Democrat, but people who recognize the importance of protecting Americans bodily autonomy? What's your message to those people? My
1: message to those people is, again, the difference is extremely clear. Uh, we have a Republican Party. Uh, that intends to uh, pass legislation to restrict these fundamental choices, um, these choices, this question of freedom and autonomy, uh, not just around reproductive rights, but around uh, marriage equality and other issues of personal freedom. We saw uh, my home state's in Indiana. We saw this past week in Indiana, uh, the state passed the first post-Dobbs uh, abortion ban that wasn't in existence before Dobbs came down. Uh, and we saw those Republicans in the state that are driving this uh, to passage. Uh, you know, look, I think that, uh, as you said, this does transcend party, but we have only one party that's driving this agenda, and that's the Republican Party. Republican leaders in Washington said that if they get control of the Congress, uh, they will press for a national abortion ban. And so it won't matter what
4: state you live in, uh, Congress will try to pass a ban on abortion all abortions uh now good
1: news is uh joe biden's going to be president if congress somehow passes it he'll veto that a uh, better news would be if we had a democratic house and senate next year we could actually pass a law that would protect women in all 50 states we could pass a law that would turn roe versus wade back into the law of the land where it was before the dobbs decision and protect people's reproductive rights uh wherever you live So what I would say to people is that uh, there is a big difference between the two parties' positions. Uh, Democrats are working hard to protect reproductive rights. Republicans are working hard to take them away. And uh, if that's something you care about, and it's clear that for millions and millions and millions of Americans, it is something they care about passionately.
5: Uh, then they uh, need to make their voices heard. I want to dig into this idea of of the makeup of Congress. You know, there's obviously a lot at stake in this upcoming election, and either Democrats will hang on to their majorities in both chambers, or they'll lose, you know, the House or the Senate. What does a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate look like versus divided government? Can you paint a picture of the next two years with those two scenarios? Well, sure. I think
1: I, I do want to start with this issue of reproductive rights, because I think that's in some ways the most dramatic uh, and immediate one, Brian. If we have enough Democrats uh, in the Senate uh, who are committed to uh, codifying Roe, committed to overcoming the filibuster to codify Roe, as President Biden is, uh, then we can pass a law that settles this debate and anchors it um, into the law of the land. It puts us back to where we were before Dobbs and uh, uh, you know, really makes a hallmark for individual freedom. If, on the other hand, we have a Republican House and Senate, which I don't think we will, uh, but if we do, uh, they will pass I a bill to try to ban
0: oh so uh, abortion rights, uh, oh,
1: you're big, and big um, big President Biden. Biden will be vetoing, uh, but if they could ever get a Republican president, it be signed into law, it would be the law of the land, the opposite one. So that's one clear difference. There's obviously a difference